Hello and welcome back to Germini Audio Fix. My name is Amber, and today I'll be reading Chapter 16 of All You Want by Senlin Yu. Narrator's Note Thank you so much for listening to Germini Audio Fix. I recently set up a coffee page that's KO-FI for those of you who want to support my work with a donation. You will find the link in the episode and the podcast description. Chapter 16. I Wish I Was a Little More Loved Having sex with Malfoy was lovely, addictive, and borderline surreal. When it started, it was easy for Hermione to just immerse herself and try to ignore the cracks. It was just temporary, she reminded herself, so the dysfunctional aspects didn't matter, but her relentless mind couldn't help but pick at it. Once she wasn't in a constant state of sexual frustration, there was more room to notice things she would have preferred to ignore, like the way Malfoy tended to avoid making eye contact with her when they had sex. He would, but only when Hermione initiated it, and then he'd drop his gaze or bury his face against her shoulder after a moment. They didn't talk, not really. There were exchanges of words, of course, about arithmancy, not to mention all the praise and promises made when they were having sex, but not much in the way of actual conversations, Hermione would try at times, but whenever she tried to bring up anything remotely personal or to discuss what they were doing together, Malfoy's expression grew abruptly cold, and the question she desperately wanted to ask him died in her throat. Don't ruin it, she told herself. Don't ruin what you have. She swallowed the thing she wanted to say, and just watched Malfoy earnestly throughout the day. He was more isolated than she had realized— Daphne Greengrass and Blaise Zabini seemed to be the only people he interacted with from his house. It seemed as though his relationship with Theodore Knott had become abruptly prickly after Hermione and Malfoy began having sex. Hermione wasn't sure if that was due to not disapproving or being jealous. Being able to work peaceably in the library again was delightful. When Hermione wasn't in class or snogging or shagging Malfoy, she practically lived in the Hogwarts library. Homework for nine newts left her with almost no time to spare, but she was trying to piece together a semi-scientific understanding of alpha and omega biology for the sake of her sanity. If she couldn't immediately solve it, she wanted to at least understand it. The journals that Draco had provided her had been a breakthrough, finally clarifying for her many aspects of her behavior that had been extremely vague or inconsistent in the other books she'd read. But even with the journals, the information Hermione could gather was infuriatingly nebulous. Researchers would regularly make opaque references to things that they refused to explain. Alpha biology, on the other hand, was generously explained. There were dozens of books on the topic of alphas, although they were primarily focused on alpha behavior free from the hormonal influence of omegas. The biology was also exhaustively studied. Hermione could draw up a Punnett square explaining the probability of the genotype, but no such information was readily on hand in regard to omegas. Even learning what genotype enabled omegas to present at all was nearly impossible for Hermione to track down. There were absolutely no explanations readily available as to how a muggle-born could have somehow ended up with a phenotype for the most recessive magical genotype in existence. Hermione had ordered dozens of research papers from various wizarding labs studying magical genetics trying to find the answers. All she had were more questions. Ginny, to Hermione's surprise, ended up being an extremely supportive research partner. 
they'd take over a table in the library, cast a muffliato over the area, and read research papers together. Hermione had never spent much time thinking about what type of student Ginny was. She'd always thought of Ginny as being mostly sporty and good with defense magic. Hermione felt rather abashed to discover that Ginny knew a surprising amount about magical theory and genetics. Well, with Mum, you know, Ginny shrugged slightly and twirled a strand of hair in her fingers. When I was littler, a lot of people assumed I was going to be an Omega just because everyone knew Mum was one. People would say things about how I'd have so many children. There were always all these little comments and barbs people would sneak in. When I was little, I didn't understand. I just knew it made Mum and Dad upset when I told them about it. When I was older, they finally explained the hierarchy. They were really vague and avoided most of my questions. So I studied it by myself. Mum couldn't understand why I was so obsessed with it. I think it bothered her that I couldn't leave the subject alone. So it's always felt like something I needed to keep to myself. Is that why, when I... Ginny blushed. Yeah, well, a bit. It was mostly that it was nice to have a friend where the hierarchy just wasn't an aspect of our friendship. You and Harry both. I never had to feel on my guard that you might say something or make some kind of joke about it. It was nice how we were just normal for you. When you came and asked, I was afraid it was because you'd heard some gossip or something and I would have to explain it all and it would change how you saw me and my family. I'm really sorry about that. I'm probably going to keep apologizing about it till I die. Hermione shook her head and looked down at the article on phenotypes that they were reading together. Please don't. It'll get really old by then. Considering that witches typically live for an average of 145 years, that means 128 years of apologies. I'll probably snap and murder you. Well, then I really will end up apologizing to you until I die. Hermione snorted and Ginny started laughing. Then Hermione stared at Ginny hesitantly. Is it... Are people really like that about Omegas? Ginny's eyes dropped away. Not all of them. Or even most of them. It's just kind of weird. When they know, it's like it's all they can think about. Like they expect it to define everything. And they're curious, so they end up asking really personal and invasive questions. As though they have a right to know. People are always asking about Mum's heats, even though she's never had one. Because in their minds, that's what Omegas do. They go into heat. Or they'll want to know if she'll do anything an Alpha tells her. They tend to act like knowing she's an Omega gives them a right to know personal details about her. But it might not be like that for you, if we can keep the news from leaking. I know McGonagall has made all the Alphas and the staff and prefects who know sign enchanted non-disclosure agreements about it. Hermione felt her eyebrows jump and irritation bloom in her chest. She has? No one mentioned that to me. Well, you've been dealing with a lot. Are there any other things I should know about? Hermione stared at Ginny with narrowed eyes. Ginny looked slightly nervous. Well, we've added a lot of portraits. I think the post is being monitored. McGonagall is checking the mail. Hermione was aghast. Ginny twirled a quill in her fingers and shifted in her chair. Hermione, it's a big deal that you're an Omega. Beyond what you're adapting to in your personal life... To a lot of people, an unbound Omega is a bigger deal than even Harry, especially since you're muggle-born. It would be international news if it got out, and... Ginny hesitated. With the way bonding works for Omegas, you're... you're really vulnerable. McGonagall is trying to give you as many options as she can, but if the news gets out, there... there are alphas who would spend a fortune to get their hands on you. 
Hermione felt herself growing cold. McGonagall didn't mention that to me. She felt enraged. Well, it's kind of a lot, isn't it? Ginny stared at Hermione with a serious expression. You looked pretty overwhelmed this last month anyway. It's not like all of them are like that. Most of them will just try to send you offers of marriage and try courting you. But just because the alpha instinct is to please you doesn't mean they won't... won't... Kidnap and rape me first, Hermione finished. Ginny glanced away. Hermione was silent for a long time as she sat absorbing it. I didn't know, at first, Ginny added after several minutes. I knew it would be a big deal, but I didn't really think it all through until Harry wrote me a letter. So, everyone is talking about this. Hermione's tone was cool. He and Ron looked into old case files to see if there were any involving Omegas. They didn't tell me much, but there's a reason why people are so private about it. It's not safe for Omegas who aren't bound. Hermione was silent for a minute. Every time I think I've gotten a handle on how awful this is, it feels like it somehow gets worse. I'm sorry. You have no idea how much I wish I'd told you about the hierarchy before, so that you could have had more time before you presented and, I don't know, married Ron, or at least had some time to choose an alpha beforehand. Hermione gnawed at the inside of her lip. Even if I'd realized on the train what I was, I'm not sure what I would have done. I still have a month before my next heat, and it's hard to even think about going through it with anyone. Ginny looked over at Hermione curiously. You wouldn't just do it with Malfoy again? Hermione's breath caught slightly. I honestly don't think I could handle it. it it's very emotional on my end, and it's not for him. He draws the line between real life and biology more clearly than I can. It would be hard to do it, and then have him be the way he is afterward, again. Ginny nodded. He really is cold toward you. I would never guess, based on how he treats you, that he was the one shagging you. I wonder if there's a reason. I mean, the others couldn't ignore you even if they wanted to, and they're mostly all purebloods too. Well, I think the Malfoys take blood purity more seriously than most, Hermione said in a low, bitter tone. I guess it all works out well for me, since I don't have to worry that he'd ever do anything that crosses a line. When I get too far into the headspace, he could probably do anything he wanted and I'd let him. Ginny gave Hermione a speculative look. That is surprising. I mean, I still can't believe he didn't bite you during your heat. They usually do, unless he were muzzled or something. Well, they usually don't just leave either. Hermione looked away. I'm just glad I didn't agree to have Anthony there. McGonagall told me to just choose an alpha to see me through, but she didn't even mention the fact that I'd probably end up bound to them for life. Maybe she was planning to hex their mouths shut. Considering the lengths she's gone to so far, that might actually be what she had planned, Hermione said thoughtfully. That would have been so weird. Ginny snorted. Weirder than having sex with Malfoy? Hermione blushed. It felt natural at the time. It was just at the end that I realized it didn't make sense for him to be there. So he's nice to you? Hermione nodded. He's never mean. When he's alone with me, he... He's like the perfect counterweight to everything about being an Omega that I have trouble handling. We balance perfectly. But when it's not about scent marking and sex, there's this wall he puts up, and he makes it very obvious that he doesn't want me anywhere near it because he's about as approachable as a porcupine. Hmm, was all Ginny said as she continued nibbling on her sugar quill. 
There was a shuffling sound, and Hermione glanced over and caught sight of Neville walking past. He looked dazed and slightly gray, as though someone had died. Hermione watched him pass and then nudged Ginny. Gin, did something happen to Neville? Ginny looked up from her candy and then grew guilty-looking as she caught sight of Neville's slumped shoulders. Oh, you haven't heard. Hannah broke up with him a few days ago. Hermione stared. What? I thought they were nearly engaged. Yeah, they were. Ginny was assiduously avoiding Hermione's gaze. But they've been dealing with some issues lately. Hermione looked back in the direction Neville had gone. Was because of me? No, no, it wasn't really your fault. Ginny, it wasn't. Hermione leveled Ginny with a gimlet eye and Ginny folded slightly. Well, it may have been slightly related to you. I've only heard about it secondhand from Susan, but as I understand it, the night that Anthony attacked you, Neville was with Hannah. Hermione's jaw dropped. As in... Ginny nodded and cringed slightly. Yeah, they were. But then, Anthony... And apparently Neville jumped off in the middle of... of it, said your name, and left her there, and didn't come back. Oh my god. She didn't break up with him immediately. I think they tried to patch things. But when she broke things off... She told him that if they stayed together, she'd always wonder whether he was only staying with her because they were already dating. Because every time you walk into the room, it's like he forgets about her. Hermione buried her face in her arms for several minutes. Poor Hannah. Poor Neville. That's awful. I know. I can't even imagine what I'd do if something like that happened with Harry. Probably bat bogey hacks me. Hermione lifted her head to look over at Ginny. Probably. Ginny pulled a sugar quill out and started nibbling at it. But on Hannah's end, I get it. Like, if they're really supposed to be together, I can kind of imagine that letting him go is to prove it. Hermione jerked her head up from the table. She's testing him? No, I mean more like, if you and Neville actually tried dating, dynamic aside, do you think you could end up together? Hermione hesitated. I don't know. I never really thought about it. The war, and then Hannah, and then now, he was with Hannah, so he was off limits. Jenny nodded seriously. I think that's what Hannah wants to know. If he weren't off limits, would you two be together? I think she'd rather let him go than feel like they only ended up together because he felt obligated. Hermione sat thinking and shook her head in disbelief. I feel so awful. He had a ring, didn't he? I ruined their relationship. Ginny patted her soothingly on the shoulder. It's not your fault. Blame fate or something. Really, the odds that you somehow turned out to be an Omega are just so small. Padma was trying to calculate them. There were so many zeros after the decimal point, I lost track. That makes me feel so much better. Hermione rolled her eyes and then started putting away all her notes on genotypes. Fate caused me to ruin Neville's relationship with Hannah. The tea leaves foretold it, I'm sure. Hermione, don't start ranting about divination again. I'm not ranting, Hermione said crisply as she finished stashing the research papers. If other people want to believe in something as stupid as divination, they're perfectly welcome to their asininity. Just don't try inflicting it on me. Badma's still trying to convince you to find your soulmate. 
Ginny was watching Hermione with a faint smirk on her face. Hermione gave a short nod, and she pulled her bag onto her shoulder. So, where are you going? Ginny's tone was coy. Hermione stilled slightly and felt her cheeks grow warm. Just to the loo! Her voice jumped a partial octave. Huh, of course. Ginny nodded slowly. Her eyes were glinting. Hermione started to turn away, and Ginny added, Say hi to Malfoy for me. Hermione froze and looked back guiltily. I'm not. Right, Ginny smirked. I'm sure if I happen to peek around the corner, I won't see him pulling you into the broom closet down the hallway, the way he always does when you leave the library. How? Portraits, Hermione. I told you. McGonagall added a lot of portraits. They report to the heads about certain things. Hermione turned bright red and Ginny burst into muffled laughter. Go! Ginny waved Hermione away, still laughing into her hand. It's fine. I think McGonagall has gotten over it. Hermione fled the library. She made it down four hallways before she stopped and leaned against a wall. She pressed her palms against her cheeks. They felt like they were about to catch on fire. She had never felt so embarrassed in her life. Then, suddenly, there were cool fingers catching hold of her hands and pulling them away from her face. Are you all right, Granger? Did something happen? Hermione felt herself starting to melt, but steeled herself internally. Malfoy would probably not be pleased to hear that their arrangement was common knowledge to the Hogwarts staff and Ginny. Shoving his claim in the Alpha's face was a biological impulse, but the professors were probably too close to the real world. It's nothing. I just found out that Hannah and Neville broke up because of me. Malfoy stilled. Longbottom and Abbott aren't dating anymore? Apparently not. I feel rather bad about it. It's not your fault. He pressed a kiss to her forehead and she shivered against him. I know, but it still feels that way a bit. It's not. You're not responsible for what other people do. Hermione gave a faint nod and he caught her by the wrist and pulled her into an empty classroom. The door had barely clicked shut before he had her up on a desk as he kissed her. It was like fire, and she couldn't understand it. How could he draw the line so clearly? How could he care so much and then not? She drew her lips away from him and stared at him. He paused and looked down at her. The corner of his mouth twitched faintly and his eyes grew guarded. What? Is this... do you... am I doing this right? She blurted the question out. He furrowed his eyebrows and stared down at her. Doing what right? I just... I feel like there's something I'm doing wrong. Because you're so cold, she didn't say. You're not doing anything wrong. You're just not... He paused as though he were searching for the right word. Conventional. Pure-blooded. That affects things, he said after a moment. Of course, Hermione felt mechanical. Of course. I should have realized it was that. He glanced away from her and stepped back, the mood abruptly killed. She stayed seated on the edge of the desk. She wanted to reach for him. She wanted to bury her face in his chest and apologize for not being conventional, to admit to him that for the first time in her life she wished she were. Except she didn't, because she was proud of being muggle-born. She had always been proud of it. And even if he made her wish such a thing, it made no difference. She would always be a muggle-born. Thank you for doing this anyway, Malfoy, she said after a minute. The fact that she was thanking Draco Malfoy for being willing to have sex with her did not escape her. But what else was there to say? He was, and she was willingly swallowing the humiliation of it. 
He snorted faintly and avoided her eyes. She slipped off the desk and stood uncertainly, wondering if she should just go. She wanted to reach for him. She always wanted to touch him. His eyes met hers as they stood there and... They were kissing. She didn't even know which of them moved, or if they both had. He had her against the wall as he kissed her so deeply she was gasping. He had pinned her wrists over her head, under his hands, and it felt as though he were trying to consume her. There was no experience in her entire life that could compare to what it felt like to be with Draco, as if their being together were bigger than just them, as though the universe had aligned the stars and the planets, and every moment of history right down to the exact millisecond their lips touched, and when it happened, time stopped. He kissed along her jaw and started sliding down her body, but she caught hold of his robes and stopped him. He glanced up at her. I don't want to, right now. I just want to kiss you, she said, staring down at him. He looked surprised for a moment before he smirked and straightened. They stared at each other for a moment, and Hermione could hear her heart pounding in her chest as he captured her mouth with a bruising kiss. Their tongues entwined, and her arms slid around his neck while he tangled his hands in her hair. He always touched her hair, gripping and crushing the curls, sliding his fingers along her scalp and lacing his fingers around the locks so he could pull her closer or tilt her head back and angle the lips the way he wanted to. She tugged at the buttons at the collar of his shirt until they came undone and then moved further down his torso, parting the fabric and gliding her fingers across his skin. If she were blind, she'd still know him. She'd memorized every inch of him the dips and rises of his body, the texture of his skin and places where he shivered and gasped at her touch, the edges of the sectumsempra scar that bisected his chest, the taste of his sweat, and scent of the leather, vetiver, and papyrus sedge with an undertone of vanilla and sandalwood that clung to his clothes and skin. She traced her lips along his throat and breathed deeply against his scent glands. It was nice to be somewhere without thinking for a while, Thinking was so stressful and depressing lately. It made her hurt physically. All she could do was think when she tried to hold her life together and pick up all the pieces that her biology had abruptly shattered. She'd always been able to rely on knowledge, determination, and cleverness to solve the problems she'd faced in life. But it was different trying to outsmart something that was set inside the deepest parts of her own mind and written into every cell of her DNA. It felt futile and exhausting, and sometimes she just wanted to give up and accept it, to just admit that it was who she was. It was who she was always going to be, and she couldn't fix it. When she was with Draco, she stopped thinking. It was nice not to think for a little while, for there to be interludes when life ceased to ache, until it was over, and she remembered once again that it was all just a hormone-induced illusion that she was letting herself fall for. But she kissed him anyway. He unbuttoned her shirt, pushed away her bra and dragged his fingers across her skin, spanning her waist and tracing along her spine. She wondered if he had memorized her. When they finally broke apart, their clothing was all askew. Draco's shirt was unbuttoned and half untucked. His hair was falling over his darkened eyes, and his lips were reddened and his cheeks faintly flushed. He looked roguish and sexy, and his eyes were locked on her as though he couldn't tear them away. Hermione wished she could take a picture of him, to prove to herself that he looked at her that way, because when he strode through the hallways and his eyes never so much as flickered toward her, she wondered if she were somehow imagining it all. Well, 
I'm going to be in an excellent condition for DADA class in half an hour, he said, finally looking away from her to stare down at his tented trousers. Oh, sorry. Do you... can I help? Not really. If I come when I'm around you, I'm going to not. And if I not, it will definitely be noticeable for the next half hour or so. Oh, right. Alpha biology when mixed with omega biology was somewhat symbiotic. Hermione couldn't get off by herself. She required an alpha to get her emotionally to the right point. For Malfoy, he could get off, but it was dulled and muted without an omega. When he was with an omega, it was just staggeringly overwhelming, but it also involved growing a knot at the base of his cock that took thirty minutes to an hour to go away fully and left him erect in the meanwhile. She stared at his trousers and nibbled at her lip. She wished they could skip class. The temptation to reach out, open his trousers, and pull out his cock was mind-glazing. Her fingers twitched and she drew nearer. She'd just touch it a little. Malfoy stepped back. While I'm profoundly flattered by the expression currently on your face, now is not the time, Granger. Alpha... Her voice came out in a long, low whimper, and she bit her lip as she stepped closer. Oh, fuck. He backed away from her until he was against a wall. Out, Granger. Fix your clothes and get out. There is no chance of my cock getting less hard when you're staring at it like that. Hermione reluctantly pulled her bra back into place and buttoned her shirt, without once tearing her eyes away from Malfoy's trousers. I could just... Out, Granger. You are really pushing the bounds of my self-control. His voice was thick. Hermione whimpered faintly and moved slowly toward the door. Are you sure? Her voice was pleading as she fidgeted with the doorknob. Go, Granger, and I'll expect a massive thanks when that massive brain of yours is holding the reins again. This is why I usually just get you off. He buried his face in his hands. I'm not incoherent, she protested, staring back longingly. He lifted his head and arched an eyebrow. Of course, Hermione Granger, SWAT extraordinaire, is entirely in her right mind when she wants to skip DADA, at which she is due to give a presentation on our arithmancy project, in order to instead have sex in the charms classroom, which has a third-year class starting in... He checked his watch. Fifteen minutes? Malfoy was staring at her, looking unimpressed. Hermione blushed. When he put it that way, it did sound like a bad idea. Go away, Granger. I will shag you later. Go. He used a slight alpha tone on the last word, and Hermione turned gooey inside and collapsed slightly against the door. Yes, Alpha, she said in a whimpering voice as she stared longingly back at his open shirt and obvious erection one last time before slipping through the door. Hermione made her way to the bathroom and splashed water on her face. As she calmed slightly, it struck her resoundingly that she really had just tried to convince Malfoy to skive off DADA in order to have sex in the charms classroom. She made a choking sound and buried her face in her hands. She was mindless. She was an absolutely mindless tart. Thank God Draco possessed some level of reason, because otherwise she'd probably fail her classes in favor of having endless sex, and then proceed to die of complete and utter humiliation. She stayed in the bathroom straightening her uniform and then looked over her notes until it was ten minutes before the start of class. When she walked in the door, Seamus, Dean, and Malfoy were the only students already seated. Hermione headed over toward her spot at the back of the room. 
As she passed Malfoy, his eyes flicked briefly up and met hers. She nearly tripped. He gave her an extremely pointed, I told you so look, and then dropped his eyes back down to his book. Hermione blushed and hurried past to her desk. Once she was seated, she nervously nibbled on a fingernail and watched the rest of the class trickle in. Parvati, Daphne, Neville, Blaise Zabini, a couple of other Slytherins Hermione didn't know. Then Theodore Knott walked in. He headed toward his normal spot near Blaze, but then paused and seemed to be considering. He glanced over toward Draco and then down at Hermione. Then a faint smile played at the corner of his mouth as he pivoted and strode toward the back of the classroom. He pulled out the chair next to Hermione's and seated himself. Hermione stared at him in surprise. Not looked down at his hands for a moment, took a deep breath through his mouth, and then turned resolutely to stare at Hermione. Hello. I'm Theo. He extended his hand toward her. End of chapter 16